Hey, what's going on? Greetings and good day, and welcome to another, the final January edition of Birds All Day Podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice. We'll, we'll have one again next January. Well, the final January podcast of 2016. My yeah, name is Drew Fairservice. Yeah, yeah. Joining me as always, and interrupting this time, yeah. Mr. James Stoughton. Stoughton, how are you? I'm well. i got to get my interrupting in early and often. That's how I feel. That's my podcast flow. You should. Yeah, alright. Uh, you know, as someone who is a podcast app, podcast expert. Yes, I saw you on so a panel. I didn't actually see you on a panel. I, I I heard that there was a panel going on while, while I drank beers in the green room myself. How did you get in the green room by chance? <laughs> you weren't on the panel that night. Uh, you know. <laughs> I, think I, the greased, mo- I greased some wheels. I got some friends. I think the most important thing is the fact that there were like 400 people that were there to watch people talk about baseball. So, But instead we chose to speak about podcasts. Uh, which is what this is. Birds all day. We talk about... Uh, your Toronto Blue Jays, your uh, the Blue Jays, a team whose offseason I think we could maybe describe as inert, since they basically since early November. Yeah, Drew Storen. Oh right, okay. They signed That's true. Darwin Barney. They, they got Roberto J-Hope. Hernandez on a on a minor league deal with some incentives. It just feels like nothing That's has weird. happened. Those three major moves. When well, we're Storen's here, good, under looking at the team under the microscope. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a lot of movement to uh, to catch our eye. Uh, as we mentioned uh, this week, there was a pitch talks thing that I did. We talked to a podcast. So. How was the show? Was it any good? Sure. I, did, I totally didn't watch it. I had to go it. to play basketball. Yeah, that's right. You did. That's right. I'm my clean living. I, I live clean now. I didn't like yeah. overindulge. I just sat it was with, great. I sat with Jesse Lynch for a long time. Well, excuse me. Did, <laughs> yeah, you, did you hear that clatter to the floor, <laughs> friends? Yeah. Uh, he at one point he's like, "Oh, so what do you do?" I'm like, "Oh, I write about the team. I used to write this blog called Drunk Jays Fans." And he just like starts rubbing his beard. He's like, "Yeah, I think you wrote some shit about me." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, probably." He's like, "That's ah, fine. Okay." I'm like, "Okay, thank God we've got over this large major league pitcher, formerly Jesse Lynch. He's very big. They all are. They all are. Yeah. He's like small compared to the rest of them." And he's a lot of a lot of human. He didn't. He. It's amazing. He doesn't. See, didn't maybe seem as husky as I maybe would have guessed. He just was as tall and like broad shouldered, yeah, yeah. like a perf- person who earned his living as an athlete for yeah, a much. period of time pretty until much. one incredibly unfortunate, you know, physiological thing befell him after another. Yeah, the basically. poor bastard. Yeah. Uh, podcast, which is what this is, which you can of course rate, uh, subscribe to on iTunes. Where you can also rate and review if you so feel so inclined, and you can support us at our Patreon page at Patreon.com/slash/BirdsAllDay. Uh, we are, as we always say, but we always mean uh, that we are very appreciative of of, of everything uh, and everyone who who takes time and a couple bucks out of their pocket and shoots it our way to keep us going. Uh, you are our inspiration, and again, we are very thankful. So thank you to everybody for doing it. And uh, anything else? Any other thing, anything else to housekeep? No, I don't think so. Just to reiterate your your heartfelt sentiments about the heroes supporting this enterprise. It is heartfelt. Sometimes it may seem, you know, I, I probably say similar things from week to week. Well, yeah. It's by, but it's true. It's yeah. patter, but it is true patter. And I always want to make sure that I get it in and include it and make sure to uh, acknowledge those folks who... Um, do that out of the kindness of their heart. Yeah. Had a bunch of new ones. Thank you very much. Yes. In the wake of of more turmoil in the the media industry, it never yeah. it's never ending turmoil. Sort of, yeah. I think, and the turmoil doesn't it doesn't matter how many people read. That that's where that media world is. I think where it almost doesn't matter how many people read. It's a matter of like, can you make any money off those yeah. people reading? It's true. Which is um, not 
ideal. No, it really isn't. Eyeballs on your game. But uh, in our attempt to keep your eyeballs and ear holes uh, tied into the Toronto Blue Jays, we're going to think about some stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, there isn't a lot to talk about. We can talk a little bit about that. We can talk about the teams in the other, in the division that are making moves. Okay. The, the Rays made right. a trade. I think the, so. The Rays Fred made didn't a trade go straight today. to the hat. Number one. We the hats on the <laughs> list. They have a new hat? Question mark. Just um, a spring hat, but yeah. But yeah, Rays made a trade. The Rays made a trade. And I think we're going to use that to like pivot off of and to um, to talk about uh, some of the other stuff as it relates to the Blue Jays, which the Rays trade doesn't necessarily. But does in a, in a way. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about that, and uh, which is going to be more of like a look forward. And then I have a, I have a little question. I think we'll take we'll do that stuff, some newsy things, and we'll talk about the what that trade means. Uh, but then I have another a bit of a weird question, almost like a, a very hypothetical thought experiment, almost mm-hmm. that could prove to be something of a nightmare. All right. Uh, but then maybe not. Maybe it's something that'll be exciting. I, t- I take it we're going to have to stay tuned. To see what it you is. You will have to stay yeah. tuned. It, it, it's a lot of what we talked about uh, in the in that green room when we were all shooting the shit about the Jays. And really the, should have periscoped it. It was great. That was a, was a, a great conversation. conversation. Yeah. We'll talk about that and uh, and so much, so much more on this edition of Birds All Day. That off the top, we're going to do a little bit of news here, uh, and there's nothing more off the top than a new spring training lid. <laughs> yep. People didn't like it. They really. There are some people that didn't like it. Yeah. Why? I don't know. Because it's not the Blue Jays logo. Because it's a Maple Leaf. Because it's the wrong color. Because it's the color thing is a little weird. I don't. I mean, is it is it interesting enough to talk about it? I don't know. I mean, I think spring training is, you know, people are like, why didn't this, why isn't this like the most perfect hat possible? They had a chance to redesign hats. It's like, they're not going out there trying to sell their, like, they're not putting their big selling hat in spring training. That's like, this is where they experiment with stuff. I think that there's clearly an edict comes down. Like these have all been designed maybe centrally. Oh yeah. Um, I would not doubt that. Because that kind of dark color seems like a recurring theme. A lot of teams, well, they almost all the teams unveiled at least a new hat or a new jersey for spring training. Yeah, Giants have a nice, beautiful new black with like orange piping. Yeah, spring training are just using their regular blue jerseys, the, much better than the spring training ones before. Which yeah, yeah, just like like just totally plain, but then a logo without the circle part around it, just like the hat. Oh, weird. Part. Yeah, they weren't great. Uh, the the Phillies apparently unveiled like a red jersey that they plan to wear during the regular season. The one that got the most attention, I think, today was that White Sox. Right. Uh, black, all black ensemble, including like a beautiful black hat that uh, because my men's league team is the Sox, I'm going to buy the shit out of. <laughs> well, so, so there you go. So MLB's plan has worked. Absolutely. They are separating me from my money, which yeah. is their sole intention. I think people thought it looked like the Leafs too. That's the thing. It's, the, it's like a, a Leafsy blue and white. Which is a fair criticism yeah, I think in so. their defense. I think so. But uh, I feel like hats are, anything uniform, I'm not like a real... You know, we're obsessive about uniforms. When they're good, it's good. When they're bad, it's like whatever. Yeah, it's better when they're good. We all have have multiple decades of experience of what you know, watching a team 
play and stuff that looks ridiculous. But the thing is, we all still buy it. Yeah, people sure did. Yeah. How many people bought the toothpaste tea hat? Yeah. Right? It's because you buy it because you're going to buy it. They know they've got you <laughs> by the balls. If you're listening to this right now, you are not a discerning customer. Yeah, you probably. you are not the free hand, the invisible hand of the market. You are like you are a hook, line, and sinker. So yeah, so if you don't like it, enjoy cool. your new fucking hat. Yeah, enjoy your hat because they know you're gonna buy it. You fucking sucker. All the kids in Springfield are SOB. <laughs> uh, the other thing that I again I want to talk about a little bit. Uh, Corey Dickerson, who I I said out loud this week, like, hey, the the, the Rockies might trade him because there was a lot of talk about Charlie Blackman, right. But then this people said, why wouldn't they trade for Corey Dickerson? And then the Rays, the division rival Tampa Bay Rays, went ahead and did, in fact, trade for Corey Dickerson. They traded Jake McGee, who is a, or a, was a extremely mm-hmm. good, hard-throwing reliever, mm-hmm. um, who has had some injury challenges over the last couple of years. Uh, and now Corey Dickerson is a Ray. Uh, I like Corey Dickerson very much. He had a great year in 2014. He was kind of hurt and not super last year. A lot of people were scared. Well, today, when the trade happened, it was like, oh, look at his home and away splits. Yeah, I saw you were railing against this. Yeah, I, well, I am. Because I think it's really lazy and really not informative. Number one, all players are better at home than they are on the road. Number two, why is the question. Why might mm-hmm. Rockies players struggle so mightily on the road relative at home? And So you well, don't buy the conventional wisdom, obviously, that... They just, they're terrible, but they're, you know, there is an effect of their park that makes them seem... Even if that better. was true, do you think, does anybody think, that anyone in any kind of a smart organization, as low, as, which I would classify the Rays as, mm-hmm. would be under that spell still? They wouldn't see the forest for the trees. Mm-hmm. There's a theory that uh, Mike Petrillo wrote about for StatCast, for the StatCast blog. Oh, and yeah. His, his idea was, uh, and he looked at some numbers, which was basically, in Colorado, because of the thin air, the pitchers don't, they don't throw as many breaking pitches. Sliders in particular, or sliders or curveballs, one of them, is really undone by the by the atmosphere. So, so they just straight up avoid them, basically. So they straight up avoid them, so at home they get a steady diet of fastballs, which makes them very aggressive. And then when they go on the road, they retain that aggression, but it comes back to bite them in the ass. Right. Corey Dickerson is a hitter that it would be that was Brooks baseball classifies as extremely aggressive. So he's a guy who is going to look worse because he is again subject to uh, on new very unusual conditions outside of the fact that the park is large or and yet plays small. Mm-hmm. It's 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 mm-hmm. a lot a lot bigger factor than that. But the reason I'm talking about this is because it relates to something else. Something somebody asked me about today. It was like, uh, Troy Tulowitzki's projections are very modest. Yes. Considering how good a hitter he is and, and was. <laughs> yeah, before 2015. Before yeah. 2015. So the, the question that was put to me was kind of, do you think that that might be a factor? Something that's not incorporated into the projections. Same with when they look at, this is what Corey Dickerson projects as, on the row or in Tampa Bay, his numbers are you know like a one fifteen OPS plus or something like that, like a nice hitter, but not right. great, like a one and a half two win guy. Do you think that might that might be something to like? Tulowitzki's problems are different, right? Tulowitzki's got yeah. his own set of challenges about hitting. Like, I feel like I am expecting a lot from Tulowitzki because he's Troy Tulowitzki. Are we maybe wrong in doing doing so? 
The projections would certainly tell you that. Yeah. Uh, but, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, probably. Don't you think? I mean, the, you know, the, where he is on the aging curve, there's a, I, you know, no, obviously nobody knows where that's going to go for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, last, uh, last season was, uh, was not good for him. But who knows where it's going to go, right? I mean, I, I think, in my heart, I want to believe that these project- projections are ridiculous and it was just sort of a blip. But you can look at, you know, the factors that are going into that, like mm-hmm. the age, like the performance last year, uh, and I don't know. But I mean, and now you're trying to bring in this the the Colorado effect. What do you think that? You obviously seem to have a theory. Well, I don't know that I have a theory. My, I have a theory A that Trotulitsky is is still a great hitter, and the fact that his numbers suffered, you know, largely in 2015 are not reflective of the fact that he's done. Or washed up, or anything like that. I remember, and it it went way down after the trade. But I remember looking at the time of the trade at his exit velocity, and it was you know, yeah, it was as good as anybody else. Quiet on the set. <laughs> but it does come to my next point, my next question, which is about projections. And uh, there was a post on Fangraphs earlier that showed you know the team which teams are the projections like the most, and the one number one was the Red Sox, and the one of the least was. The Jays, and I know that, on maybe on like the cumulative, you know, as you start to or the aggregate, as you start to add all these projections up, it's easy to become really suspect of them. But I think on an individual basis, they're pretty good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But one, there was another post on Fangraphs today that made me think, and it was which players do the fans disagree with most in terms of like the fan projections versus the right. the player projections. And so I started looking through some of the Blue Jays. And like, who do who do the fans like much more than the than the systems? And the number one name that comes up is Tulowitzki. Fans are very bullish. Now they're not all Blue Jays fans, but you're going to include them yeah, in there. Yeah, there's going to be a lot in the sample. Yeah, but they have him as being like a you know a 126 uh, weighted runs created plus, which is basically right on his his career number career number that took a bit of a hit this year, right? Um, with uh, with a bit of a rough season, but. Basically, the fans have him as a five-win player. So, how much of that do you think is unrealistic Blue Jays fans? And how much of that is people <laughs> being like, no, no, he's Troy Tulowitzki. He's going to be great again. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting... I mean, at that position... I mean, Kevin Pilar was a five-win player last year. Mm-hmm. Terrific defense, and, you know, Tulowitzki probably won't be able to make up that much ground defensively. But he's a good defensive shortstop still, despite the mm-hmm. insanity about <laughs> moving him to first base. Uh, so yeah, I don't think five wins is terribly unrealistic, but I like the projections are probably like what three and change or something. Three, like that. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the the the, I, the fans have him as a one twenty six weighted runs created plus. The projections have him as one ten, which is like not an insignificant margin. Of, yeah, of for difference. sure. For sure. Uh, another another. I think big... Justin Smoke was like one oh seven last year, so, so yeah. it's not really what you're paying for your twenty million dollars for Troy Tulowitzki, even with the defense. Another big uh, a guy that there's a big discrepancy in on the of the among the Blue Jays was uh, Russell Martin. Russell Martin projects mm-hmm. as a 105 in, on, with steamer, 105 whatever runs created plus. They have as 237, 331, 415, uh, with 17 home runs, which is for a catcher, very nice. Take that all day yeah, long. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The fans, of course, are much more aggressive. They have him hitting for more power and a higher average with more on base. Um, you know, walking more and striking out less than the other systems have. Uh, I don't think there's any reason to believe that he couldn't he could perform better than he did 
Yeah. Especially at the end of last year, when he really started to get beat down. Is that, yeah, it, I, you know, I hate to say it, it's that dicky effect. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm full on believing that. I'm a, I'm a total true believer on that. And I also hate to say that it's like that was, you know, we kind of laughed a little bit at the start of last year when guys like Siddle and Buck Martinez were like, mm-hmm. hey, we're catchers, guess what? This is not really a great idea. They shouldn't have him out there. Uh, and they turned out to be absolutely right. You know, it, it looks like there's a demonstrable drop off uh, mm-hmm. based on whenever he caught Dickey. Uh, and I totally think that can that alone, even if he you know regresses like you'd expect, you know, a half run or, or a half win, you know, what, for whatever age he is. Uh, yeah, I think there's a, a very decent chance of him being better. I, I can understand the fans being bullish there. Maybe that's not what they're thinking. You know, maybe those are just Jays fans being like, fuck that, Russell Martin's better than this. Yeah, I mean, but even that, his, the, their their projected numbers are not um, out of this world. Right. They're still very modest, even like almost the same that he put up, again, when you look at the full season of 2015, because he had some really great months, right? He, he did, was, I thought, yeah. yeah. Um, to prove that the fans aren't totally out to lunch or like way out of, out of line... Uh, I look at Chris Colabella, who's the kind of guy, <laughs> right. the kind of guy that I think fans would totally, or maybe more likely to totally mislead or totally misread, sorry, right. and have a really, really rosy view of Chris Colabello. As it turns out, they have him identical as it turns to as it hmm. comes to weighted runs created plus. They both both projections and fans have him as a like just marginally above league average hitter, uh, you know, giving back almost everything. His batting average on balls in play was enormous last year. But I don't. I, I am willing to take the over on both of these projections wow. on Chris Colabello. Wow. I hate to say it, but he has the. He is a professional hitter. I think. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I, he, wow. he gets he the. There. He gets the professional hitter uh, uh, tag I'm, for me. I'm very okay with him taking a lot of the bats away from Justin Smoke. Although when I look, I I wouldn't have guessed this. Mm-hmm. That he was not only below average for walks, but ab- above average for strikeouts, huh. which I am surprised by because he doesn't have he has he has professional hitter yeah <laughs> shit oozing out of him all the time. I assume that probably happened when they were like going like forty five and thirteen there for a while. Yeah, so like, no one cares. Colabello's yeah. great. <laughs> I think that might have been what that was. So I think this this comes back to the idea like oh okay the Blue Jays are still very much one of the the better teams in baseball. Uh, there's only one, two, two teams in the American League that are projected to be better than they. Uh, and I think that's important to remember that they may have issues in left field. I'm not sold on the left field situation. Not a big Saunders fan, are you? I'm the, I'm just realistic about Saunders in that he's only really been good for like 90 games at a time, maybe twice. Yeah, and he is yeah. injured very often. And don't worry, Anthony Alford's not far away. You've said that <laughs> more than once. It doesn't make it on the ground floor story. here. Come you on, you are getting in on the ground floor. I saw an interview with him, which was cool. Um, which I'd never seen, never heard him speak or anything before. But uh, the fans, the fans are actually more pessimistic about Kevin Pillar than the projections are. Wow, projections like him to be Kevin Pillar. It's like he's maybe not as world beating an outfielder as he was, and he's gonna kind of. Maybe you'd be just below average, but you, you know, a ninety weighted runs created plus from Kevin Pillar. It's all you need. Is it? Yeah, kinda. If he plays that kind of defense. I mean until Anthony Alford gets there. Now we can come back to the question that you wrote, added in a recent mailbaggy thing or the link dump was people have been calling the Blue Jays. 
I'm Kevin Pillar. Yeah, somebody mentioned something like that. Some some site that I've never that I've heard of, but I don't know. Calling everybody on everybody, I would assume. So let's 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 use we'll come back to Corey Dickerson. We'll 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 um close, close this part on Corey Dickerson. Sure. So Corey Dickerson has four years of control left, and I think that Pilar may have the same. Yeah, it's either four or five. I four would say. or five. Yeah. So Dickerson net uh, a minor like a low or high A hard throwing wild card arm and a very nice somewhat expensive two years of control left reliever with health problem <laughs> you make it sound so enticing I like Jake McGee a lot I'm not gonna sure, say, yeah. but, but like that's, yeah, that's, but that's what, what he is. is that's what he is so does that maybe change the with that in mind does that change the way you think about Pilar uh, and what he might net because there was a lot of like trade him for a starter, trade him for you don't you don't think Pilar could get more than that? You think Pilar and Dickerson have pretty much the same value? I think they have. No, I don't know that they have the same value. I mean, I think if Pilar had the kind of value that could get you a number two starter with some control, Pilar wouldn't be a Blue Jay right now. Yeah, I mean, even Dickerson, uh, his twenty fourteen season was great. But he's not he's something of a butcher in the outfield. But again, there's a Coors Field effect, and I think that Coors Field is especially uh, punitive on not uh, towards not great defensive outfields because there's so much right. area to cover. Right. Right? They've made that outfield so big. So he, even if you kind of add bump him up still he had like a three win season in, in twenty fourteen. He was like a right. you know, really good like four hundred weighted on base uh, hitter, hit for some power. Hit, you know, hit everything, but I don't know. Is is does Kevin? So that's the question. Does Kevin Pillar have more value than Corey Dickerson? And if so, what does that mean for his trade value? If you can get a number two starter for for Kevin Pillar, yeah. When you have Dalton Pompey standing there behind him, yeah, you do I that. Think you do it. I think you do it. Yeah. Which is to say that 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 wasn't a thing. No, exactly. Yeah. You you can't get that, for him. <laughs> and you won't. Get that and I, I, you know, I've said on here before, and I've written about it as well. You know, I, I'm sure that there is value, maybe less so in the new era of the Blue Jays front office. But I think, I think they did like what they saw when he, you know, took the demotion to Buffalo after you know getting angry with Gibbons and throwing his gloves, and came back and and, and I've said it so many times, you know, the fact that he's that great defensively is sort is on him. It's something that he actually like went out and worked and. And became, uh, you know, put his his physical gifts to that kind of use. You know, like it's mm-hmm. not something that he came up the whole way being a great defensive center fielder. And that mm-hmm. he's there as a testament to, you know, a lot of, you know, other subtext things about him and how he works and, you know, what he, how seriously he takes his craft and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Which I think, uh, you know, I think the Jays especially... Before the end of the season, I think would would probably have said they really value. Uh, though I think that you know that's obviously a bit of a myth too. Uh, you know the whole stu- the whole stuff about you know it's it's real easy to say we love guys who are high character guys when you're getting guys who are you know Josh Donaldson and Russell Martin. Uh, I don't think it's nothing at all. I think it's I absolutely agree. I agree with you when you first brought it up, and I agree with you now because because. It, if you see something, if a, it makes if a guy appears to be coachable, that's valuable. So you can say, hey, maybe mm-hmm. you should fix this, and then they do it, and then then he becomes a more valuable player. 
Do, do you, yeah, no, do you sure. think a team like the Cardinals don't value something like that in that they have a very set way in which they kind of approach the game? They have this, you know, this kind of mythical Cardinals way. Yeah. They have a proven track record of, of developing players who aren't the most talented, who aren't the most highly sought after. If they, if it's good, basically if it's good enough for the Cardinals, it's good enough for anybody. And if the Cardinals yeah. say, we need guys who can be teachable because we can make you a big, big leaguer, we can get you a paycheck, and then the guys buy in, I don't think anybody should be sneezing at that. It's, no, it's pretty true. And I think sometimes maybe, you know, you're, you know, to continue on that, you're probably right that sometimes uh, when we talk about, you know, clubhouse stuff, mm-hmm. that's probably what, you know, that's probably the way the teams look at it more than, you know, fans are like, oh, for example, which was which was out today was the Brett Laurie thing, and yeah, yeah. which wasn't necessarily a Brett Laurie thing. It was Billy Butler saying, you know, there was not a good clubhouse in Oakland, and uh, some of the people that were the cause of it are no longer there. And uh, one of those might be Brett Laurie. One of the, that definitely pointed to Brett Laurie as being a, a suspect in that not the Billy first time you heard about witch that. hunt. Yeah, I will also Billy Butler say. who can fuck right off. Also, yes, yeah, yes, he can. He was worse than Justin Smoke. Billy Butler is the highest paid player on the A's. <laughs> he fucking sucks. Yeah. He is so fucking bad. He's a DH who can't run. He has no defensive value. He's the wor- one of the worst base runners ever. Truly a, like a base clogger. And whether or not you subscribe to that that sort of like mid-90s, like there's no such thing as a base clogger. It's like, no, base running is important. He sucks at that. He has no power. All he can do is accidentally put the bat on the ball so we can roll over on every fucking breaking ball thrown in the other half of the strike zone and hit yeah. fucking 250 with a 300 on base and a 300 slugging percentage. Fuck Billy Butler. Not to defend Brett, no, Brett Laurie, no. but the reason the A's were bad was because of all the bad fucking players like Billy fucking Butler. I was looking at this today because I'm going to write a, a... mentioning it in a Daily Deuce. And seriously, Jays fans complain about... Justin Smoke, like $4 million for Justin Smoke. Butler Butler was worse. Weighted runs created plus below Justin Smoke and zero defensive value. Lower war. Justin Smoke is a player who you like. You look forward to him entering the game as a defensive replacement because he's, even at, even at first base, he's so much better than the guys who were out there before. Yeah. Billy Butler worse in every conceivable way than Justin Smoke. Three years, $30 million for him. Every conceivable, <laughs> other than the it's fact amazing. that he's not going to strike out, you know, Smoke probably won't throw former teammates under the bus either. Fuck Billy Butler. Yeah, but I, I brought this up because uh, specifically talking about like clubhouse stuff, and that's mm-hmm. you know that's how fans think. Fans think, oh, what a douchey bro, like upsetting the balance in the room, and that maybe that's how players do too. But you know, the coachability stuff is maybe a thing that you. Uh, it would be more of a concern about a team, and maybe it's something you wonder about uh, with a guy like that. You know, we remember the JP and Subia thing. Like, mm-hmm. I'm paid to drive in runs. I'm not changing the fact that I hit the way I do, even though it's, you know, producing one of the worst statistical seasons of all time by anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's the kind of thing, too. A lot of talent there. One more question. Uh, not really a question. Probably coachable, maybe. If... You, of course, that becomes code, coachable. Doesn't it? Becomes code. Yeah. Uh, the Blue Jays have invested heavily in their culture. Do you think that the team is able or willing to get to a point with their culture that they believe that they can, which I think the Red Sox have kind of believed this in the past, that like they can absorb 
bad personalities believing their culture is going to fix it. Is, yeah. that, is that a risk you're willing to run? I think eventually. That, I think that seems like a thing that you would want to strive for for an organization. I think the Blue Jays thought that themselves when they were you know, in the more asset accumulation phase, when they were, hey, we'll take Colby Rasmus for pennies on the dollar or whatever it mm-hmm. was or whatever they thought it was going to be and taking Laurie and taking guys who you know, didn't necessarily have the best reputations in terms of that stuff and saying, hey, we think we can get something out of them that this isn't value, you know, that they're, they're not being valued properly because of this stuff. And then they seem to sort of change their tune, you know, with all the, the character talk that we hear about, you mm-hmm. know, especially at the end of last year. Uh, so maybe that's something where they uh, they learned a lesson and they've sort of reevaluated what they think about all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh but I, yeah, I don't know. They really, they kind of tried to jumpstart it too with like the Omar Vizquel and the Mark DeRosa stuff, and that mm. found that didn't work. So maybe remember that that was fun. The Mark wasn't DeRosa it good. Thing. And so um, I don't know. Maybe it's smarter to uh, to wait on that and you know sort of create a culture and then try to assimilate people into it. Like you say, like with an organization like the Cardinals and the Red Sox could maybe do a thing like that. We'll see. We'll see. Hey, we're Depend- get- we'll see if they, if they trade Connor Green or not. That'll tell us. <laughs> Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back. We're going to do uh, a bit of a thought experiment. We're going to look into into the future of your Toronto Blue Jays on this edition of Birds All Day. So off the top, we kind of teased uh, a bit of a uh, an off-the-record conversation, but on Tuesday night at the pitch at pitch talks, uh, we ended up with a bunch of Blue Jays people on the same room. Uh, it was you and I and uh, Arden and Ben and Shy from uh, all from Sportsnet and uh, and Josh Macri actually from who produces Buster Only's podcast, and we got talking about the Blue Jays and stuff, and it was actually really it was a really great conversation. It was a lot of fun. It was nice having the outside guy. <laughs> I think I remember at one point, talk, like after we were all like, "Oh man, Jose Batista is so great." <laughs> kind of looking at him, being like, oh, "Is this weird?" Like local media oh, people oh, being like, oh, "I fucking love Jose Batista so much." Pretty much, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he went back to be like, "Those guys are such that. goddamn homers. <laughs> they were washing his balls for like an hour." No, who could watch Game Five and not be like? Holy shit! This is kind of amazing. Or who could acknowledge the fact that you know, even if you are if you are playing the I am an impartial journalist, I do not yeah. you know, get swept up in this and that. 
he's been one of like the what three or four or five best hitters in baseball in the last five or six years. Yep. Uh, not unfair to say. I think so. He's a free agent at the end of the year, so we got talking on Tuesday night about what is he going to cost. There was a lot. There was, the number that seemed to, people didn't want to get away from was a hundred million dollars. He is yeah. the kind of he may or may not be keen on earning that one hundred million dollar nine nine digit contract, which is his right. He has earned it as one of the best hitters in baseball over the past six years. Uh, he'll be thirty six though. He'll be thirty six. So it's not going to come cheap. And there's also the talk about Edwin Encarnacion, his teammate and his uh, countryman, and another terrific, amazing hitter over the last three years who's been marginally, by the slightest of margins, statistically better than Jose Bautista. Yeah, which is crazy to think. Which is crazy to think. They're both going to be free agents at the same time. That's going to get very expensive. The likelihood of the Blue Jays being able to afford both of those gentlemen is very, very slim. Very slim indeed. Uh, Jose Bautista, if you went go back to 2010, is fourth in all of baseball in weighted runs created plus. Behind Joey Votto, Mike Trout, and Miguel Cabrera. It's okay company, I guess. Pretty yeah. good. Pretty, pretty good. There's, there's almost no way that the Blue Jays keep both. It's really hard when you start adding up the numbers. There it's are, really hard. It's also very unlikely. I, I, I don't want to think, but it's... When you look at it and you kind of take a step back, it's unlikely that they keep either. Unlikely is a tough word and nobody's going to want to hear that word for sure. I don't know if it's unlikely. It's less likely than it is likely. <laughs> well, it starts to look this it's way. It's tough. One of the things to me is, that's going to mean a whole lot about it, is A, holy fuck, if, if a pitcher blows out his arm this year mm-hmm. and they have to go to the free agent route and replace him, like replace another guy who's not a free agent. Mm-hmm. You that's you're fucked. You're pretty much fucked there. If you know Sanchez can't hack it in the rotation, if Osuna maybe doesn't look like he's you know if something doesn't make it look like he's going to be a starter next year, can soak up some of the innings that mm-hmm. are going to go when Chavez and Dickey leave. Then you kind of have a problem if Drew Hutchison doesn't turn into something that could be a useful piece of the big league level. Then you have a problem because there's not anything coming up in behind them. So unless those guys sort of establish themselves this year as big league pieces, even whatever the fucking payroll ends up being at, mm-hmm. it's going to be tough because they're going to have to get innings. They're going to have to. They're going to have to find guys to cobble a team together. Unless they're like blowing shit apart, which would be stupid. Even though that's everybody's sort of nightmare scenario. Well, here's the, here's the reality of the situation. The 2018 Blue Jays right now today have 53 million dollars committed to three players. Three. You're including Donaldson? No. <laughs> they owe Troy Tulowitzki right. 20. Yeah. They owe Russell Martin 20 and, and they owe Jay Happ 13. Which and that'll, be, do- and Donald- that'll be Donaldson's last arbitration. That's Donaldson's too. last pass through arbitration so you're looking at a minimum of at 20 million dollars. Probably 25, yeah. Maybe more. He is close to breaking a record now. He's going to earn, if you put him on, eleven and a half million bucks. Then you're going to look at him at nineteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, yeah. twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four. Yep. Now, so now you're at seventy-three to seventy-five million dollars for four players. Now you're going to add a guy, either Encarnacion or Jose Bautista, at minimum twenty-five million dollars for that year and each year after that. Yeah, 
I think that was in the you room. In the room, some people seem to think Edwin might take less than $25 million per season. People, we were talking about the Victor Martinez contract. Yeah. Uh, which is 18, I think. He's at 56 over four years. And uh, Edwin Encarnacion is, again, as we've said earlier about somebody, he's a better hitter or a better player, I think, than, than Victor Martinez is in every conceivable way. Other than the fact that he can't catch. Yeah, I think so. I think that the non-Blue Jays fan in the room disagreed with that notion at first. But I think, yeah, I think I would take Edwin for sure. For sure. Uh, it's easy to look past, the, you know, the health stuff is there. He's always got sort of nagging injuries, but he mm-hmm. played a hell of a lot of games last year. He hardly missed games last year. And even though he wasn't really his best for the first half, he was a goddamn monster in the second half. That was when Chris Colabello was uh, was going south with the strikeouts and walks. Edwin was the best hitter in the American League for yeah. like three months. So my question in this little thought experiment is, what do the 2018 Blue Jays look like? we got your Anthony Alford in the center. Uh, yeah, Pomp- Pompey in center. Pompey, yeah. Well, you still you'll still Alfred's have Pilar. Around. You'll have you'll Pilar. You'll still have yeah. Pilar. You'll still have, provided you don't trade him. You'll still have uh, uh, Pompey, provided you don't trade him. Although some people seem to think I mean, Pompey will be getting into his first pass through. No, not even. He won't even be uh, into arbitration probably right. by that time. Did uh, end up? I don't know. Do you look? Do you maybe yeah. look like the Rays a little? Do you look like? Cleveland, or I, you know, like because you have a, you still have a good core with Donaldson, with Martin, with Tulowitzki, uh, with twenty eighteen short Tulowitzki. Yeah, that's going to be a thing too. That's a bit of a the thing. thing but I mean, I think you can look at I don't know. I don't how south do you think his defense will go? No, that's true. You could be a real. You have a really strong defensive team with Pompey, Pilar, Tulo, Ryan Goins will still be around doing something, or Devin Travis if he mm-hmm. you know comes mm-hmm. back. You know, there there are. Uh, there are ways you can make it work. Like, I think the the thing that people get really afraid of is when they see Batista and Encarnacion going, thinking, well, then that's it. They're just going to have to blow it up. It's like, no, you still have Donaldson and Tulo and Martin and Marcus Stroman and Hap and et cetera, et cetera. As I look ahead it's the to the et cetera that I guess are the yeah. problem. Well, and as I look, you look ahead, you start seeing like who's going to be in arbitration. You get like Della Bar, who will probably be DFA'd by then. Uh, Aaron Loop, who's not going to make any kind of money in, in arbitration. Uh, Darwin, uh, you know, Drew Hutchison isn't going to make any real money in arbitration unless he wins fucking 20 games this year yeah. or something like that. Hey, uh, Osuna, <laughs> it'll be Osuna's first year in arbitration. He might get a nice paycheck gets, if he yeah. starts to get saves and stuff. Hey, but, or if he starts to get starts. Yeah, yeah. That's how you get paid, Roberto. Less, That's less. how you get paid. You want, to, you want to get in that rotation. Talk to Sanchi. So whether or not the current Blue Jays regime employs the same same mindset as the previous one, which is to take on money in trades because you can't give it away in free agency there's that's there's still a decent amount of money yeah to to, yeah. to play with <laughs> depending if, on where the dollar goes and where so the I mean, payroll if, goes yeah yeah and if I think the payroll would... goes down that's different but yeah. if, if it's like oh they've got a hundred you know from the we've kind of verbally committed what 75 million or 100 million dollars that includes an encarnacion or a bautista take one of those guys away You've got another sixty or seventy million dollars to spend that yeah. can go anywhere. It could be taking yeah. on a bad contract, a Joey Votto contract. Not that that's going to happen, but like it could be that there are yeah. there are plenty of stuff that could happen between then and now. The, the thing to keep that, to keep pushing those goalposts with prospects until you eventually get to when you have to really. Well, if you take if you but, look at a guy like a Votto, yeah, because he's an example of an onerous contract in a way. 
that you, if you are willing to pay full freight to the Reds, then you don't have to give up prospects. You just got to give up all that money, which True. you've got if you're the Blue Jays, but maybe not the Blue Jays under Mark Shapiro. Now the 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 which is the pipeline isn't necessarily bursting with guys who who are going to fill this list up necessarily. No. Two, hey, to... two prospects on the BP one hundred or one hundred and one. Really? Yeah, uh, Green and Alfred. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's good. And then there's you know there's your Rowdy Tellez beyond that. Yeah, why would you pay twenty million dollars for the first base when you can pay nothing <laughs> for a guy who's not as good? But uh, you're just being generous calling him a first baseman and not a DA. <laughs> But, I've heard he's worked on that. I, I mean, so it's, <laughs> he it really is, had no choice. So I, I think the point is it's kind of scary, but there's still lots to do, and it's easy to to get all. Uh, no, number one, it's easy to, to kind of get overly rosy about the previous regime, and you look at you're like, wow, this. There, you think? Yeah. There's a lot of potential <laughs> pitfalls between then and now. Yeah. But there's obviously so many. You know, one of the, the a great thing to do is go back to the those uh, Baseball America lists where they publish the potential lineup, you know, X number of years down the road, five years down the road or whatever it might be. Right, yeah. And not like not to fault them. I'm not criticizing them, but it's just the realities of the business when they're this is what the twenty fifteen Blue Jays lineup will look like that they published in two thousand and ten is laughable. Oh yeah. It's laughable at how it ends up because all kinds of crazy stuff happens. Yeah. Uh so maybe looking ahead to twenty eighteen is is foolish when right now we have the twenty sixteen season still to play they still have Ed Encarnacion. They still have Jose Bautista. They have Josh Donaldson. They have Troy Tulowitzki. They have Russell Martin. They have two defense-first, very young, controllable center fielders. They have two second basemen who are young, who cost nothing, who bring very different things to the table. But they're, valuable they're, both. But valuable yeah, in, in, in each of their own way. way. The only thing I would really, if I'm looking at the 2016 season, I would really feel better if there was a better player in left field. That's That's my number one thing right now not uh not another say starter who is between stroman and all the other guys yeah i mean everybody can always use another you know got sub marcus stroman starter like that's every team can use that but every team can use it every team can use number three yeah if, if ever if the number threes were falling if number threes were so easy to come by ian fucking kennedy wouldn't have just earned 70 million dollars over five years with an opt-out well you can't criticize the royals Fucking right, I could criticize the Royals. Hey, why don't you give uh, Sal? Why don't you rework that Sal Perez contract? It's too team friendly for the guy who's kind of terrible, kind of terrible, but also kind of the best. Well, yes, but in that way, yes. There, you know, Doug Fister got six million dollars for a year, uh, coming off of like a truly awful, looking so washed season. Like that's that's the going rate for a guy who's who's literally nothing. It was like 80, 86, just a shade over eighty six is what he was averaging on his fastball last year. I wonder what his exit velocity was. I'm going to guess it's a little bit higher than eighty six. <laughs> yeah, not that that's everything. You know, Mark Burley worked it with less, but that was like a sudden drop for Fister, and also everything else was garbage. Well, Fister, there's a lot of Halliday, right? If you can't get that, if you're a sinker ball guy who gets a lot of ground balls, and you can't get your arm up to that slot where you can get on top of the balls. And it's like, now it's just yeah. kind of spinning up yeah. there, and you are fucked. I'd give that contract to Cliff Lee, though. Yeah, Cliff Lee, I, yeah. I'd give, I'll give anything to Cliff Lee. Yeah. Make it happen. Come on. He's, well, as we said, he's going he's gonna to be there. He's going to saunter out, out of the Arkansas wilderness in, like, June. Be like, oh, I don't cost you a pick. And, you know, that's the other guys. But he's like, yeah, 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 let's do this. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to pitch. And then 
He'll just you just you know if he ends up with the Yankees, he's going to be really good. So even if it means even if him coming here means he's going to be bad, at least he's not going to the Yankees and being good. Or if he goes to the Yankees to be good, it's only because like Tanakh blew up or CC Sabathia isn't able to um, come back from his m- many different issues and, uh, and challenges yeah. that he's facing right now. But anyway, get Cliff Lee. That's what I'm saying. That would be fun. But also, and going back to, you know, talking about uh, thinking more in the now and, the, and, and tying that in with the X Factors with, you know, the Hutchison and, and, and the pitching stuff. Uh, and this was a thing we talked about uh, with the Sportsnet guys and everybody else as well is, you know, a lot's going to come down to how well the team does this year and how, you know, they can't really, they could, they could much more justifiably slash some payroll next year with Batista and Encarnacion and guys coming off the books and, and, or not even just slash payroll, but just sort of stay where they are, which is going to make it really difficult for them to compete for those guys. Uh, if this isn't a good season, if this is a good season, if things click, if things go well, if they go back to the playoffs, uh, maybe something changes. Maybe they, they look, they're not the only ones in that same boat though. They're, I saw yeah. Yan- Yankees fans in my timeline today asking where would the Yankees have to be? For them to start looking to trade Beltran and Teixeira. Right? <laughs> yeah. Both free agents at the end of the year. Uh is ten and five, so it's much less likely. Uh, two guys that aren't gonna probably aren't gonna get a qualifying offer. No. Unless maybe they do, unless that new that mid level yeah, tax that's, that's the thing too. We don't know what that's necessarily gonna look like. Though I think I mean I'm thinking back to the last time the CBA changed. It was like the J because the Jays were right in the middle of buying up guys they think would be type B free agents and just taking the pick for that. Uh, I think they changed it so so those rules sort of stayed in effect for that year. Or they made it so mm-hmm. that if a team had a player with a view to getting a draft pick out of him at the end of the year, they weren't getting screwed by the fact that the rules were changing. Well, but I'm also thinking that potentially this offseason where their teams were maybe a little bit more aggressive with the qualifying offer, uh, and now there are players who are suffering for it, but the teams are the ones who, who don't stand to, to lose as much. If team if people next off season extend that even further, be like anybody with any value, give them a give them a, a yeah pick. maybe yeah right because a is going to drive down it's going to drive down the price of the other guys because people won't have signed you know the Dexter Fowlers of the world but I mean what if to share is good again what if to has another thirty home run year or twenty five home run year come on <laughs> but yes okay fair maybe I mean Beltran's different Beltran's much older Beltran's but Beltran still played the outfield a bunch. Yeah. He's also Carlos Beltran, so you know he's going to show up in, like, September and October. <laughs> yeah. That son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> but, I yeah, He's kind of the best. I hate that. I hate that. He's yeah. the best, but he is, in fact, the best. That's enough. We've prattled on long enough. Yeah. Uh, February will be the next time we talk to you, which means that it's all so very close to beginning to not really happen. Uh, there's still lots of stuff to happen. There's still other pieces out there. It is such a let. It's like, oh, you know, you're counting the days till pitchers and catchers report, and then they do, and you're like, oh, right. <laughs> it still sucks for six weeks. Getting closer, though. Yeah. So for Mr. Andrew Stoughton, my name is Drew Ferris. We'll talk to you next time on Birds All Day.